You're about to learn a lot more about Chrysler's electric car program. This is AutoLine. There's a mad scramble going on in the global automotive industry right now to come out with electric cars. And Chrysler stunned everyone in the industry a few weeks ago when it unveiled three different electric vehicles that it plans to put into production. I say stunned because nobody saw this coming. The thought was that Chrysler was years behind everyone else. So to learn more about Chrysler's electric car program and how it seems to have accomplished so much so fast, I've invited two of their executives on today's show. Lou Rhodes is the Vice President of Advanced Engineering at Chrysler and the President of Envy, while Bruce Coventry is the CEO of GEM, which is Chrysler's in-house electric car company. You heard me right. Chrysler already has an electric car company that most people don't know about, even though it's been in business for over a decade. So stay right where you are because you're going to learn a lot more about how the Pentastar people plan to put themselves right smack in the middle of the EV market and do it years before anyone thought they could. Visit our website for even more great content all week long. AutoLine Extra, John's Journal, podcasts, and even more. So click over and get the inside view at AutoLineDetroit.tv. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to our discussion now all about electric cars with Bruce Coventry, the CEO of GEM, and Lou Rhodes, the president of Envy. First off, we got to explain what does that mean? What is Envy? Yeah, Envy is uh, Chrysler's electric car group. Uh, we're responsible for anything that's electric drive, meaning our neighborhood electric vehicles to city electric to range extended to electric vehicles. So what is this? Green with Envy? Why Envy? It, you know, Envy uh, was a student project we had a couple years ago, and, and we really liked the, the idea. We liked the, the word. And it's the first four letters of environmental. We couldn't come up with anything better than that, but it, you know, it's really our internal project code, and then now is the organization's. Well, if it comes from environmental, maybe it should be Envi, not Envi. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was already trademarked. (laughs) (laughs) And Bruce, GEM. Well, GEM is, uh, uh, it was Global Electric Motor Car. We've just recently changed the name of the company to Green Echo Mobility. Why'd you change the name? To keep that theme uh, and and the focus. But but GEM is actually a 10-year-old company that uh, is, in fact, the largest electric car manufacturer in the world today. We've sold over 40,000 electric vehicles uh, in the existence of GEM. But nobody seems to know about this. Well, and it's, a, it's a well-kept secret, and uh, the fact of the matter is it's a neighborhood electric vehicle. Right. And uh, as a neighborhood electric vehicle, it's been used predominantly in uh, retirement communities, gated communities, uh, college campuses, uh, military bases, and things of that nature. Well, and we'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, Lou, when Chrysler recently unveiled its electric vehicles, you had a a pure electric Dodge and range extender EVs from Chrysler and Jeep. But a lot of people I've talked to in the whole EV field look at this with enormous skepticism. They said, wait a minute, Chrysler only formed Envy a year ago, and we've been working on this stuff like crazy. We're racing to get into production, and boom, they say they're ready to do this. 
How do you counter that skepticism? Yeah, well, we've actually been working on this for quite a long time. You know, we've kept it very quiet. Um, but this project started about two and a half years ago, both in our advanced studio in Auburn Hills and also in California. So it was a theme that uh, we, uh, we, we started uh, really looking at consumer behavior changes, technology changes, and really the regulatory climate. And out of that came a project uh, which we call 2020, which eventually turned out to be Envy. We showed the three concept cars in Detroit. It was a, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. You I mean the, the three concept cars at the Detroit Auto Show? Of, yeah. uh, of this year, yeah. that's correct. And uh, one for each brand. Uh, the Dodge was the all-electric. We had a range extender for both Chrysler and Jeep. And where we are today and what we're showing are really the functional prototypes of each one of those vehicles. So, you know, we've been working on this as long as everyone else. Now, Chrysler has not got quite the R&D facilities that, say, like a Toyota or a General Motors has. How are you getting this developed? Yeah, so the root of the electric drive is the relationship we had with Daimler, as we were Daimler Chrysler. You know, a fuel cell vehicle is an electric vehicle. It had a primary drive drive unit as the electric motor. Um, it just had electricity being formed by a fuel cell. We've replaced that fuel cell with a battery uh, pack and uh, looking at other ways to extend the range. So that was really where we took the core competency moving forward. As we looked at the supply base, there wasn't a lot of infrastructure for these components, especially in the high-power output batteries and high-power output um, electric motors. So we really are working diligently both internally and with st uh, key strategic partners to get that infrastructure you know, built, and we're primarily looking at the United States. Okay, Bruce, now i got to figure out how does GEM fit into what Envy is doing. You've got these neighborhood electric vehicles, mm -hmm. but explain how this all works. Because as you said, what you're making are neighborhood electrics. They can't go on roads with a speed limit posted higher than 25 miles an hour. Actually, 35 miles oh, per Oh, 35. Hour. Okay, it's but, gone up. But, but uh, the, the speed limit could be 35. The, the vehicles are capped at 25. But um, uh, GEM was a company that had been in existence for 10 years, so what we wanted to do is to look at how can we Role the, the competencies, the competencies that we've developed in GEM within the rest of the electrical activity that we're doing. So, a lot of the things that, that we've developed over the past ten years, uh, uh, you know, the battery charging technology, the algorithms for uh, state of charge and for uh, distance remaining, are all technologies that we can use in you know our future programs as well. So, we wanted to build on that, but at the same time, make sure that it was all consistent and all rolled into one major development area. So, GEM is now a subset of NB, and we've rolled that all together. Hey, John, there's, there's a great uh, overlap, not only in the technology. As we look at electric drive motors, we're really looking at a family of motors, which would span anywhere from the neighborhood electric all the way to the full functional Dodge at 200 kilo kilowatts. Uh, so there was a logical connection there. There was logical connection with advanced uh, battery technology and power electronics. But really, most importantly, and Bruce mentioned it before, with 40,000 EV customers, that's what the industry is really looking for, is how are consumers going to use these vehicles? How will we uh, install charging stations in consumer's garage, you know, and, and Ven, Envy or uh, Gem brings a, t a tremendous amount of that experience uh, to us. Now, wait a minute. I, I need a charging station in my garage? I can't just plug it into the wall? You absolutely can plug it in, 110, 120 volt uh, uh, plug, but we really think for primarily a full electric vehicle, you'll want recharge times to be more in the two to four hour time frame, mm -hmm. and at that point, you'll need 240 uh, volts to really efficiently uh, uh, recharge your vehicle. But doesn't that degrade the life of the battery when you really zap a lot of electricity into it. Not with the advanced uh, lithium-ion battery uh, cells. The charge rates are far greater than they have been in the past, certainly far greater than nickel metal. So, no, we, we can control that. But a, two, a 240-50-amp circuit um, is not an issue for recharging. Well, tell me this. Uh, 
a lot of battery experts say, no way is lithium-ion going to be ready by the 2010 to 2012 time frame. They're saying 2014 may be more realistic. What do you take uh, on that? Yeah, you know, so over the last two and a half years, I found that if you said 2015, nobody in the room will disagree. If you say 2012, very few will disagree. Now we're down to, is it 2010, 11, or 12? And our early test results say it's very viable, especially in the lower volumes that we're looking for early market penetration. Mm -hmm. And any plans on putting lithium-ion into these gem vehicles, or is that too expensive? Well, it's too expensive today, but but we are looking at offering it as an option. And as as we get greater penetration with lithium-ion in our other products, you know, the crossover point will occur. Right now, we're looking at lithium-ion about 3x the cost of lead acid. So as that technology, you know, will will expand, we'll see that cost coming down very, very quickly. And Bruce, Gem just came out with a new model that uh, you're calling the Peapod. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Peapod is a design that has been developed in conjunction with uh, Peter Arnell Associates. Peter, uh, of course, is our chief innovation officer at Chrysler. And uh, his involvement uh, has been very interesting because you know, it's, it's a bit of a polarizing design. Some people love it, some people hate it. But the fact of the matter is it's going to take the brand in a totally different direction. And that's something that we feel very positive about. It'll greatly expand the, the value and the application of, of a neighborhood electric vehicle. Yeah, because the, the old, I, I guess you'd call it, you've got an extended model range, mm-hmm. the E2, the E4, or whatnot. The E6, and, yes. and, and so this is a new body on essentially that chassis, is Correct. It? So that allows us to get to market very quickly, and yet to address a lot of the issues that, that you know, we've learned from feedback with customers. And the design itself will, will have a lot of usability and will have a lot of, a lot of neat features. Uh, you know, for example, you'll be able to, you'll be able to plug your uh, iPod uh, right into the dash and use that for communication, GPS, and so on. So, I mean, the, the old gem had sort of this smiley face graphic on, on the front end. This other, the, the new one, the, the Peapot, is very swoopy. W- what's the idea behind the styling change? Well, I, I think it was to take it into a different, a, a much younger buyer, a uh, much broader perspective. So uh, the Arnella Group has uh, done an awful lot of research, and they've done a terrific job, uh, not just with the model that we're showing now, but uh, instead we were going to generate an entire range or family of vehicles that will exist from a single-seater all the way up to a six-passenger. So you're going to be adding more models than you've got today? Yeah, we will. And these are all built in Fargo, North Dakota? Yeah, we have a, a terrific manufacturing facility there that's been in existence for 10 years. And, uh, you know, they've d- just done uh, an amazing job. The, the cost is very competitive. And, uh, you know, we, we've had a terrific, uh, uh, you know, uh, history of quality out of the plant. And, uh, and they just do a great job. N- nothing against Fargo or North Dakota. How did it ever end up there? Yeah, actually, when, uh, when Daimler uh, Chrysler purchased the plant, it was already located in Fargo. But, um, you know, it's been a great location for us, and uh, we've developed quite a, a logistics base around there. But we're really, for the future models, we'll be looking at global, mm-hmm. global logistics. Lou, let's talk more about the, the mainstream uh, electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the market will go first, to a pure electric or a range extender? You know, when you have a, a, a piston engine in there to, to help this thing keep on going. Yeah, I think, uh, I think both. I think the uh, pure electric is probably the end point or the destination, but there are consumers uh, that will accept a price point, you know, that will be high enough to be able to justify a full electric. But the range extenders will likely be at higher volume. They'll be more affordable. We're sizing the battery pack to the daily driving behavior of most consumers, about 40 miles. So we can downsize the most, you know, uh, most expensive component in the vehicle, and that's 
that's the battery pack. So, um, and also we're looking at a wide range of C segment to D segment to SUVs to sports cars. So each one of them will have a different price point uh, that we can really enter the market in. You mentioned that 40 mile range. In, in fact, uh, Chrysler is claiming a 40 mile range for the Jeep with the, the range extender. And I'm wondering how you get to that 40 miles because you're taking an existing vehicle, putting this battery pack in it, and saying that you're getting 40 miles. And I, I look at General Motors with the Volt, which has a purpose-built car strictly for this application, and all they can get out of it is 40 miles. Yeah, and what you're looking at is our first development vehicles. You know, every one of those vehicles has the next generation that we're currently working on. That's my other job in advanced vehicle engineering. So, you know, uh, every vehicle going forward will have sensitivity to aerodynamics and light weighting more than ever before, even for our internal combustion engines. So, if you look at where we're going next, and then apply the battery technology, then it starts to make more sense. But again, you're really looking at you know sort of early development vehicles for us. What engine will you use for your range extender? Yeah, it will it will vary uh, for the vehicles that are in the C and D segment. Uh, it will be a sub one liter, uh, two or three cylinder. We only need about 35 uh, kilowatts of continuous power, about 55 peak uh, power. So a one liter engine is more than adequate. As we move into the larger vehicles, a 1.4 to 1.6 liter will be probably more adequate. I, I think the GM vehicle is going to have a, a 1.4 liter engine. Correct. So how are you getting sub-liter to do the kind of performance that you need? Yeah, so we uh, turbocharge. Uh, it's a very specific uh, turbocharge application. Uh, these vehicles run at constant state, so it's a 3,500 RPM, 3,000 to 3,500 RPM constant state. So we can optimize the turbocharger, no wastegate, uh, really put a lot of power out in its most uh, peak efficiency. And I imagine if you're leaving it at a constant RPM or, or very narrow RPM mm -hmm. range, you can really design some cost out of that engine. You really too. can. You no longer need to to have an alternator, you don't need a starter motor because we use the generator to start the vehicle. You can really you know, downsize and decontent the engine. So we really see these as affordable you know, APUs, auxiliary power units, yeah. not an engine. But affordability is still a huge issue, is it not? I mean, GM is throwing around some numbers like $40,000 for the Volt. Do you see cars coming in that expensive or more? Yeah, I think affordability will be an issue in these early days. You know, I, I look at it as if we were only electric vehicles and we invented the V6 engine and we're only going to produce a thousand of them. It would be very expensive. You know, the, the, the issue we're having is the supply base doesn't produce at high volume currently. So it's pretty much all prototype cost. When we ask the suppliers, when we do our own internal study, what happens at 10, 20, 100,000 units, it's a very steep curve, meaning that volume is a very sensitive. So as, as we enter, it will be as we enter the market, it will be expensive, but we really see the cost driving down 2013 to 15. Is there any synergy between what you're doing and what GEM does? I mean, can you get some volume that way, or at least on some components? Yeah. So the the, the synergy is is in the electric motor. Again, going forward, we expect to, to really have the design the same design concept for the electric motor, the same manufacturing process. Just so you can scale it up and depending exactly. on the size. Scalability. And, and, and that is the whole concept that we've tried to develop around, so that you, you can start from the very, very smallest and then scale it up in size but it's 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 not a concept that's lost on the program. Mm -hmm. And John on the on the batteries, you know, we looked at the single cell, but when we overlaid all of our vehicles, we said there's about a 1 1.1 kilowatt hour module that would be common to everything we're doing from gem all the way up to the sports vehicle. So we're driving high scalability, high volume, you know, through all of the components including including the power electronics. Mm -hmm. And and Bruce, what about affordability on your end? I I, I went to the gem website and I priced okay. out a four-door car and okay. and 
options include things like doors and, well, and a right-hand rear-view mirror and all. And sure. well, I came up with a price of about $14,300. That, mm-hmm. that sounds expensive to me for, for a an, neighborhood electric. Well, for an E4, uh, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that uh, you know, your operating cost is much, much less, though. So your insurance cost is less. Your operating cost uh, is about $0.03 cents per mile. So we have, we have a little higher initial cost, but again, a lot of that is volume-related. Again, as our volume tends to go up, the cost will come down, uh, just as it would on our high-volume vehicles. Uh, the GEM vehicles are sold outside of the U.S. market, are they not? They are. They're sold on a global basis. And uh, any plans to try and ramp that up even more than what's going on now? Well, I, I, again, as you look at the market, uh, you know, in, in some cases there's more market for electric vehicles outside the U.S. than there would be inside the U.S. So, uh, yes, of course, we want to take advantage of that. And it, Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think your primary markets outside of the U.S. now are France and Brazil. Is that, is that right? Well, France, Italy, uh, the Scandinavian countries, uh, and, and Asia are, are all good markets for us today. Uh, we, we see all of those markets growing, though, as, as we develop more entrance and, and a broader spectrum. Mm-hmm. Lou, uh, Chrysler's talking about working with General Electric on advanced energy storage concepts. They don't call them batteries. So wh- what can you tell us about what you're doing with GE? Yeah, that's a partnership uh, for a DOE project, um, and it really gives us leverage into the research and development uh, group of uh, General Electric. Um, the, the, the premise there is that lithium ion is really good for both power and energy balance, but sodium has traditionally been great for, for uh, long, long distance or, or high energy. So the combination of both uh, chemistries together may be the more affordable battery pack in the future. And really, that's just the start of a further relationship in motors and other storage devices. So would I have two different batteries, or are you talking about building two batteries in one? Yeah, to the consumer, they would see it as one battery pack. Internally, how we mix the chemistries is, is part of the research. Mm-hmm. So in, just so I get that again, the, the lithium ion is for bursts of power, and sodium is for longer cruising distances? Is- is that the way to look at it? Yeah, so, so to be able to adapt both the you know, power burst and also the long energy for range, um, you know, the chemistries always vary. So there's lithium that addresses both power and energy, but sodium is really the most affordable energy device today. So it's the combination of, of, of uh, all those chemistries together is what we think is a more viable solution. And, and talk about uh, how you're leveraging suppliers, too. Uh, you, you don't have to name names, I suppose, mm-hmm. unless you want to, but... Talk about Chrysler's philosophy of leveraging suppliers to be able to develop all new technology like this. Yeah, it, it doesn't uh, limit us to anything that we currently have. You know, we don't have the large infrastructure of hybrid or motors or batteries. So it gives us a lot of flexibility to really look what is the best out there today. And we believe that's a moving target. You know, what's good today will change 12 months from now. Mm-hmm. So be able to leverage the suppliers really gives us a leg up to being able to apply, you know, the latest technology. What's really key is how we will architect the vehicle, the way we architect the, the modules, the power electronics, and the motors, because then we can easily adapt to the technology change as it occurs. So, uh, again, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Chrysler doesn't seem to have the R&D that a, a Toyota or a GM has. They, they say they're spending fortunes on developing this. 
So again, how can Chrysler, a much smaller company, be able to keep up with the big dogs like that? Yeah, we're, we're finding that again. Our, our history with uh, with Daimler, uh, our experience there, we, we were uh, did the first Epic minivan in the '90s. Uh, so we went from there, from the Epic minivan to the uh, fuel cell vehicle, you know, through GEM and the experience with GEM, and then now into the full functional vehicles. We think we have plenty of core competency internally, but really to expand that, the suppliers bring a lot of uh, core competency and experience that we traditionally would not have. What we can do, though, John, is move very quickly, though, uh, particularly as a private equity company. It allows us to be much more nimble, much more agile, and we can move very quickly with suppliers. And these production vehicles, where would you build these things? Would they be in your existing plants, or what's the plan of how to bring these to market? Yeah, so, so Chrysler announced that we weren't going to be a one-vehicle EV company, that we're really looking at our entire portfolio. So that answer varies depending on which ones we move forward with. So as we really expand, you know, 2010 and beyond, we would expect that to be in our plants in addition to some strategic partners. Mm-hmm. Bruce, what's gone on with sales of the GEM vehicles, since we've seen gas prices skyrocket, they've come down some now. How's that impacted sales? Well, you know, over the last 10 years, we've sold almost 40,000 of these. So, uh, you know, that's worked out very well. But uh, in, in recent months, uh, we'll, we had a record-breaking August. We're, we're having a record-breaking September. So uh, the sales for electric vehicles, even, in, even neighborhood electric vehicles, are doing quite well right now. How do people find out about them if they think, hey, boy, maybe this is for me? Well, the, the best way to do that would be to go to the website. You know, go to uh, gemcar.com or greenechomobility.com is our new website. That's the one where we can show the new product. But, uh, and know, they can find dealers there? Absolutely. So you can, you, you can find the closest dealer and you can find uh, all sorts of information on the car. As you've already done, you can price out your, your next GEM vehicle. Right. That's exactly right. So are you driving an electric vehicle now, Lou? Do you get to drive home anything that, out of the labs that you can really test out for yourself? I'm waiting for that opportunity. <laughs> uh, right now they're still uh, on our test track, but we've been driving them for several months. Oh, yeah. you know, we are uh, one of the, uh, the first to actually be able to provide you know, media and our dealers and our opportunity to drive an electric car. It was really important for us to have the credibility of a real functional vehicle, something that would have no compromise. The, the, the reaction we're getting from people that drive it is they can see these being in the showroom today. We've taken painful detail, not only on the powertrain, but also the HMI, the interior. We really want you to experience the vehicle, and, and I think your takeaway is going to be, boy, these, I could, it looks like I could buy these today. Mm-hmm. Well, real good. I think this is a good place to wrap it all up. But thanks so much for coming in and talking electric vehicles with us. Lou Rhodes, the president of Envy, and Bruce Coventry, the CEO of Jam. Thanks, John. You know, after talking to Lou Rhodes and Bruce Coventry, I'm a lot less skeptical of Chrysler's electric vehicle program. And if the company can pull off the kind of commitment it's making to the EV market, a lot of people in this industry are going to give credit to how Chrysler is operating under private equity. By the way, you can catch more of my discussion with Lou and Bruce on our website at AutolineDetroit.tv. Just check out the section titled Extra and you'll find it there. We'll see you again next week when we give you a front row seat as to what's happening in the automotive industry. Thanks for watching. We'll see you then.